Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee. And the opening bell brought to you by SEI. Have evolving investor and regulatory demands affected your investment firm's operational readiness? Imagine transforming your business with SEI's global platform at SEIC.com slash imagine. Stocks are higher at the open. The S&P 500 up almost two-tenths percent or three points to 2043. Dow Jones Industrial Average up two-tenths percent or 38 points to 17,519. And the Nasdaq's up a quarter percent or 12 points to 47.87. Ten-year Treasury up two thirty seconds. The yield 1.88 percent. The yield on the two-year 0.84 percent. NYMEX crude oil up one and a half percent or 62 cents to $40.82 a barrel. COMEX gold down 1.1 percent or $13.70 to 12.51.30 an ounce. The euro a dollar 12.85 and the yen is at 111.54. Tom and Mike. Uh, Karen, uh, thanks so much. Rhodes University is 111 years old. Uh, it is a foundational institution for South Africa. With us, Martin Haggerty of BlackRock, who uh, earned parchment from there a few years ago, and of course growing up in the crucible of South Africa at a really tumultuous time. Martin, what is the knock-on effect of the central banker of the world to the South Africa's of the world. Obviously, a shift this week back to international events, but you lived it. What's the perspective of emerging markets when a central banker blinks in Washington? <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting question. You know, I actually grew up in, in Zimbabwe, so the epicenter of, of hyperinflation in, in recent yeah. times. Along with Stanley um, Fisher, I might point out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, I think he's a little more credible than I in, in many measures. But the um, the the impact on emerging markets is 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 really profound, given what 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 transpired on on Wednesday, because the sort of transmission mechanism for policy globally has been via real rates. So real rates kept artificially low. Once the Fed got to the zero bound in 2000, you know, 2009, uh, 2008, and engaged in QE, uh, all of that was in an, in an attempt to elevate inflation expectations, push real rates down initially at the front end of the curve, and extend those declines further and further out the yield curve. And that had an impact of flooding dollars throughout the global economy. And as the Fed began to transition away from the QE and indeed hike at the end of last year, this had an impact on pushing real rates in the U.S. higher um, and thus draining dollars globally back to the U.S. And the, the uh, impact of, of the Fed decision on, on Wednesday to become a, a lot more cognizant of global financial conditions relieves some of that stress, which is why you've seen the sudden decline or the rapid decline in the dollar post-event, the rapid appreciation in emerging market currencies as the central banker of the world has basically eased monetary policy for them indirectly. We've seen a lot of other central banks joining in. Uh, is, is this now where we go from here? 
in terms of other central banks joining in, do you mean uh, the, the ECB and the BOJ? Uh, what not to them, but central banks around the world basically looking to ease policy, even if they do nothing. Um, well, if you look at the, the the other major central banks in the world, which which I mentioned in, in my question, the attempt of their policy has been to lower real rates. Um, and the primary mechanism by which they can do that was obviously cutting rates. Uh, and now that the, the ECB and the BOJ have taken rates negative, and there appears to have been a somewhat of a consensus coming out of the G20 meeting that the negative rate avenue is perhaps not as open as previously perceived, that the credit easing channels are now available. And the attempt to ease via the credit channel is to obviously uh, increase the monetary velocity domestically via, via the credit channel and elevate inflation expectations that way and push real yields down uh, through the indirect approach as opposed to pushing real rates uh, further and further negative and devaluing the currency, which in the interconnected world in which yeah. we live, a, a stronger dollar obviously has impact for China, um, who are themselves trying to right. – uh, forge their currency policy going forward. Well, brilliantly explained. If it's a new interconnected world, Ian Bremer on Monday, folks, uh, with Eurasia Group, and then if it's if it's a G zero or a G ten or a G whatever nation, how do you foresee the next Plaza Accord when we get to it? Not everybody agrees we'll get to it, and I'm not saying it will be an equivalency to the 80s or even the 90s. But can you even have an accord in a free float? minute-by-minute minute news transfer world? Um, I don't think you, you explicitly can, but as a result of, of the recent G20 meeting, it appears that the, there has been somewhat of a, of a, a, a soft understanding between uh, the, the sort of main four, the U.S., Europe, Japan, and, and China, that the, the rapid or the potential rapid depreciation that markets were expecting from the Chinese authorities on, on the currency is possibly not going to, to happen as, as previously expected, given that the negative rate dynamics employed in, in Europe and Japan had a profound impact on dollar strength, which through second-round impacts impacted the Chinese. So um, what, what we, we desperately need globally – and what I'm encouraged to see is at least the normalization of inflation, at least in the U.S. so far, so that the, the sort of very moribund nominal GDP regime that we've been in actually has a potential to, to move away from the, you know, two and a half to three and a half nominal rate or, or slightly sub two uh, real GDP growth back up to, to something north of 4% yeah. that, that oh. is enough to, to lift us slowly away from, from, the, from the zero bound. Martin, I think the headline of this, as we let you go, is simple. Martin Haggerty predicts morning in America. That's great, Martin Haggerty. Thank you uh, so much with BlackRock on a Friday. Really, you know, Mike, I, you mentioned this with Benjamin Friedman earlier. Okay, we're here. The headline this week are the markdowns Norway and everybody else. Okay, great. Is this it? Or how do we migrate towards morning in America or morning in Oslo or morning in Norway? Well, nobody seems to have, well, 
maybe bringing fiscal into it, but nobody otherwise seems to have a, a plan because yeah. the general view is what we're doing is maybe putting a floor under things with monetary policy, but we're not building anything. What we know in Good Morning Washington, Boston, New York, San Francisco, the Bay Area, nationwide, is Mike McKee and I know there is no quicker way to bring a weekend gathering to a complete halt than talking about kids' mathematics. Oh, I thought you meant it is Louis C.K., the comedian Louis C.K., uh, <laughs> among others, talking about this, what they've done to our kids' schools. We're going to end the week with, I, I would say for families, the interview of the week. What, whether you agree or disagree, Mike and I don't have an opinion. Someone who's made a cottage industry of this, and she'll join us next, is Dana Goldstein. And and she created a firestorm last week with an article. We'll talk about it. But just think about it. And, and when we come back with Dana Goldstein, just think about how you want kids, grandkids, whatever, taught AX squared plus BX plus C equals zero. I mean, does that matter? AX squared plus BX plus C, does it equal zero? We'll do that next. Dow up 80 points. Now let's check in with Michael Barr. Get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. North Korea has fired a ballistic missile into waters off its east coast. The missile flew for about 500 miles before crashing into the sea. Former State Department official Steve Ganyard says the North is reacting to new U.N. sanctions. Normally, the North Koreans will do something to show that their belligerence to strike back at the world that's sanctioning them. In this case, though, what we saw were missiles that are old technology, and they were launched out to sea in a way that would not be threatening to any land. It was a rocky start in Brazil's cabinet for Chief of Staff Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva. Only an hour after taking office, a federal judge issued an injunction suspending Lula's appointment. Protesters are demanding Lula step down over allegations of corruption. Lula and his boss, Brazilian President Dilma Rousseff, have denied any wrongdoing. Tensions surged after phone recordings released by a judge show that Rousseff appointed Lula possibly, according to critics, to shield him from a criminal probe. Passengers aboard an American Airlines flight from Raleigh to North to New York City say they were all shook up after their plane was hit by lightning. American Airlines flight 4233 was diverted from LaGuardia to JFK Airport yesterday. No one was hurt. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael Barr, thanks so much. You got out your snow shovel for Sunday? Oh, yeah, I am a snow boot. We're all set. We're oh, all set. Yeah. Sledding. Central yeah. Park. I didn't fall for it. I knew spring wasn't ready yet. One to three inches is, I think, where we are right now. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit sectorspdrs.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF.